epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hangtime Podcast. Damaris Lewis, Sports Illustrated model, is joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast. You you're, you're have great personality. You can hear it in your voice. Would you date an NBA player? I'm open to anything, but it's... respect. Old school. Chivalry. Like, I listen to Sinatra in the morning. You need to accept that. <laughs> <laughs> so I hear you're single then. <laughs> With your host. Seku Smith, Lang Whitaker, and Rick Fox. Our next guest should have been our first guest, Isaiah Thomas. How do you think you would play in today's NBA with the rules the way they are. Be honest. Uh, average <laughs> We will win a lot. <laughs> and it's, it's our main man, Roderick Turner from the Los Angeles Times. Hey, too, can I say this first? <laughs> you know you when can. I, when I was covering the Lakers, when Rick Fox played, I had hair. They wore me out. Now it's time for the tip-off. Time for the tip-off. Hang time podcast. Seku Smith in Atlanta from the hang time blog at NBA.com. Lang Whitaker. Mr. All Ball Blog himself, Yo. chilling in New York, and Rick Fox. The the, the I'm just gonna go ahead and nickname you the Assistant Prime Minister of the Bahamas, <laughs> since you know you spend more time there than you do anywhere. Assistant. <laughs> well, it, it's hard, it, you know. It's hard not to go to the Bahamas when your family lives there, Word. and your mom and dad, and That's your what I'm talking and sisters, about. and and you got a, you know, I got a couple business. Uh, propositions that I'm setting out there. So, yeah, it's like it's vacation for a lot of people, but it's home for me. So, Tell me, can I, I'm just can so you'll hear in the background, you'll hear people getting on the plane because I'm taking off here in a little bit, but I want to definitely chime in on a few things. <laughs> Ask them if they want to adopt a short brother from uh, Michigan. <laughs> honorary okay. member of the family. There you go. <laughs> definitely, well, man. Well, we can't, listen, we can't let you get in the air without getting your thoughts on your Los Angeles Lakers. Season over, swept by the Spurs. Dwight Howard didn't even make it through game four. Um, they've had exit interviews. Everybody knows where they stand at this point going into the summer. I mean, the dumpster fire is over. At least we put it out. The season is, is done. But where do, where do we go from here, man? How, how do you assess the, these Lakers going forward? Man, you know what? I, I, I got to say – that I I, wa- I I wanted to see us accomplish making the playoffs, just to, you know, just because we belong in the playoffs as a as a franchise. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the playoffs without the Lakers just doesn't seem like the playoffs. But I got I got to say that I'm, uh, after that performance, I wish we hadn't made the playoffs because it's it's just it was just 
really hard to watch those four games knowing that the inevitable was about to go down. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, injuries you can't control. You know, your 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 mental and uh, approach and your ability to uh, represent yourself in an organization uh, you can control for 48 minutes of a game. And I get that we all play with emotions, but what transpired uh, in that in that fourth game for Dwight and I, I get I get it's been a tough year. I get it's been frustrating. Life is frustrating. I get that things didn't go your way. Things sometimes don't go your way in life, and 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 how you deal with that really puts your character on front street. Mm-hmm. And it, it, and you know I had really really started to turn the corner uh, with Dwight's game per se, is the way he's, he approached the second half of the season. The team was playing better. He seemed to be just more focused and, and about, you know, getting stuff done in, in a really professional way with all, without all the antics. But as soon as Kobe went down, out came the joking again. And, and I, was just, I was just really, you know, at the time that was, you know, the you know, most serious time of the season, you know, the first leading into the playoffs. So, so I guess he's still got more growing to do. I don't know. It's very evident from the Lakers' vantage point. They've expressed wanting him back, and there's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. I get the business behind that. I just hope he goes off this summer and takes a look at at. He says he's going to recap and think about over the next few weeks of the year, and and how he really looks at at how he represented himself and and how he represented the Lakers. Because that's what we're going to be signing up for if we sign him. We're going to be right. signing up for, you know, five years of, of Dwight, you know, Dwight Howard leadership. And I think right now his leadership is quite questionable to me. And uh, him as a number one is still questionable to me. So unless you get a healthy Kobe Bryant back uh, and you keep a power of saw, I don't know where this team is going. I don't know why a, a veteran who would need to take less money, would come and take less money with the state of the Lakers being in disarray right now. And I think you're fooling yourself if you think you can piece this back together and and have, you know, a championship run yeah. uh, but, next year. I think, but did they, Rick, do they have any better options? No, they don't. Yeah. So, you know, maybe you sell that. Maybe you have to sell that. Maybe you have to sell Kobe getting healthy signing Dwight Howard. I don't know what they do at Powell, whether they're, they're like Kobe's been pitching, you know, one, let's try this one more year. We were, we had a great second half of the season. We should be able to, you know, still have a run at this. Maybe they take one more year and run at it and pay the extra $85 million in hopes that they, they get a championship. But I, I, that's, I don't know if I'd spend my $85 million like that. <laughs> Rick, do you – I saw Magic's tweet – and, you know, Dwight has been inundated with, re- you know, reactions from former Lakers. Do you think that the all of the drama that's gone on with, you know, within the franchise and do you think that affects his decision this summer based on, you know, the, the reaction of guys like yourself and Magic and James Worthy and others? Does that color his decision when it's time to decide if he wants to stick around? I mean, do you think that – is he is he a guy that's that sensitive? You think to the perception of well, others that it would change? Well, you know. Yeah. Well, if he is, he's not. He's in the wrong business. 
Right. <laughs> um, he really is because I mean, at nine at nine years in the league, if you if you're still that sensitive, I'm not hitching my wagon to your train. You, you know, I'm just not. I'm not. I'm not getting behind you as a leader because right. it, it, there's too much that goes into winning championship basketballs. You have you know you have to have skin that's pretty thick. Yeah. And and we saw how, how thin his skin has been all year long, and 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 it's his history. Yeah. You know, that's the history of Dwight Howard. So at the end of the day, he can't care what any of us say, including, you know, a Magic Johnson. He can listen to it, right. but he's got to make his decision because he believes that, oh, you know what, I can carry the mantle and be and, and accept the pressure and change, uh, you know, my attitude and develop some character around being, a, you know, going after a championship. Because if he's afraid of that, then he should get out of town. Yeah. He should leave. Because if he and, and and you know what, he should leave and hang all of it on. Magic and James Worthy and me and all the guys who didn't accept him and love him and right. welcome him into the fold and and Pat, you know, get, you know, you do that when you, you know, when when you resemble what we are all accustomed to seeing, which is you know the type of behavior that is all about winning and it's all about you know making you know the the appropriate taking appropriate steps and having the the you know the attitude about you know about championship uh, basketball and he just doesn't know that yet he, and, and we tried to talk to him mm. we tried to tell him but he still you know he still wanted to do it he still wanted to do it his way yeah so he's gotta he's gotta he's gotta make a decision that best suits him and if he signs up for the Lakers then he won't be running he won't be running away from his you know the second half of his career which. He says he wants to be about championships. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think this is the best situation for him because uh, they will find a way to put the pieces around him, to put him in a position. He can grow by being around other legends of the game who can talk to him. And if he just listens and stops, you know, uh, assuming that he knows it all, uh, then maybe you'll get a different Dwight. Do you, how much of this do you put, the Lakers season, do you put at the – doorstep of Mike D'Antoni how much of this is him being inflexible and not being willing to adjust what he you know his way of doing business you know I broke this down the other day as I looked at it you know Mike came in having had the success he had in Phoenix with Steve Nash and I you had to think there was at no point in the first month of the season that he didn't think me Steve Nash with this group of uh, players in my system there's no way we don't have success. We're going to put the ball in Steve ha- Steve's hand, and we're going to execute this again. Right? Well, Steve goes down. Now he sits around and waits for Steve to get healthy so that he can see if his system is going to have a, the, you know, the effect that he, ex- he expects it to have. Yeah. Well, he gets back, and now they struggle. Uh, he sits Powell, which, you know, and, and, and I think Powell was supposed to be traded, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. But in sitting Powell, his trade value went down. People questioned his, you know, whether he'd reached his peak and was down the other side. At $19 million, you can't afford to have a guy that's not still an all-star, <laughs> top-tier player. Right. So, you know, here it is now. They, they sit him down in hopes of trading him at the half to halfway mark. But then they were so far behind the eight ball, they had to play catch-up. And so how do you implement your system, teach guys who, quite frankly, he finds out the personnel is not best suited for his system? And then at the same time, you got Dwight Howard, who pretty much for the first 35, 40 games of the season was, was the Dwight Howard of Orlando. 
you know, it's all about me. Give me the ball. I want to do it my way. I don't like the way things are going, so I'm going to pout. And I'm going to I'm going to be a poor teammate, and I'm going to whine about my shots. And you know, so he had to, he had to basically deal with that in the middle of the season. Uh, and at a certain point, you know, it got to the place where he realizes, okay, my system's not working. I haven't been able to implement it from training camp, and now I got to make adjustments. Well, those adjustments that he continually made or was forced to make started to pay dividends. And you know, so you got to give him credit for adjusting. But all the while, you know, he, you know, guys are going down. Meta World Peace gets injured. This one gets injured. Next one gets injured. You know, and he's never got a full group of guys playing for 20 games. Uh, together and and at the end, if you if you look at the end, the like, towards the end, it looked like okay, you know what, yeah. these guys look like they're going to make some noise in the playoffs, and then Kobe goes down. So you know, I I do I do I shoulder do I put a lot of the responsibility on his shoulders? Uh, n- no, I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. Do I think he's the right coach and the right system for this group of guys? No. But do I think we'll have the same group of guys next year? No. So then maybe he is right. Yeah. So you know, I, I, I just think, you know, it, it was a, it was a thankless job. Whoever is going, whoever was going to take over that job after Mike Brown was ousted, if they were going to be faced with the same injuries and need to implement a system, you know, T.J. Carmelissimo did it exceptionally well in Brooklyn. Right. I, I, maybe someone else would have done a better job. Maybe Bernie Bickerstaff would have had a better finish. <laughs> um, I just know that that style of play was a question, and then injuries were the question. And when they finally did settle in and adjust to all of those things, they had a pretty good run to the second half of the season, a yeah. decent run, you know. So I, I I can understand how they would say, look, we're paying him a bunch of money. He's not going anywhere. He knows these guys. All I got to do is get these guys healthy. And let's at least take one more run at this next year. Yeah. Mm. How much time do the do you think you need if you're the Lakers to? I mean, obviously the calendar's coming. You know, free agency starts. You know, first, you know, July first, you got to get on the horse and be ready to ride. But how much time do you think right now they need to sit back and evaluate what decisions need to be made, or do you think Mitch Kupchak and Jim Buss and everybody already knows what they want to do, and it's just a matter of going out and getting it done? In terms of who stays, who goes. How you you know who do you have to amnesty to make it happen? I mean, where are they at in that decision making process? Do you think? I think I think I don't envy them. I think they have no idea, <laughs> oh. and I I really mean that. I think they have no idea right wow. now because everything hinges on Dwight. Yeah, and I've never been around a Lake organization before where I felt such such um. I haven't got where I've gotten such a sense that they feel helpless right now wow. and, and, and are really holding their breath. Mm. And and you can hear it in the way they communicate about Dwight. You can mm. hear it in in, uh, in the way they, they, you know, everyone is trying to, you know, get a commitment from him verbally. And he's just, mm. he refuses to, to say, you know, what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he... he this need to contemplate and debate and think and uh, I, I, I can't think that he hasn't been thinking about this all year long. Right. You know, now if he wants to be cool and, 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 and wooed and, and by everyone, you know, I, it, it's, it'd be a slap in the face of the Lakers, even the way the season's gone. If he goes around and goes to Houston and goes to Dallas and takes meetings and it's, it is his right. Hmm. I'm telling you, 
if he then decides to sign with the Lakers after that, he he's, he needs to be very careful what he does here because he doesn't have a lot of fans in LA as it is. He really doesn't. It's so if he hangs them out for a long stretch of summer mm-hmm. where he needs to make his decision, if he really is thinking about staying, he needs to be like, you know what, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying here. I'm signing with one of the greatest organizations in NBA basketball history. Right. And I'm going to work this out. We're going to make. We're going to find a way to make this work. But if he says that on the first day of free agency, does that cover cover a lot of uh, a lot of the ground here? No, he needed to say it already. What is it, <laughs> what is it that he seriously? What more is he going to get unless he's unless he's holding out to say, "I want this coach. I don't want that." I like if he wants outside demands other than than uh, the hundred and nineteen million dollars that he can get from signing with the Lakers. If that's why he's holding out to create more demand, then okay, well, then we'll see what he thinks he needs around him to win a championship mm-hmm. because, quite frankly, I don't think he has any idea. And he, well, shouldn't, be, he shouldn't be making those decisions. Right. We, playing, see, we see the poor decisions he's made already. <laughs> well, playing devil's advocate here, what if, if you're Dwight Howard, do you say, well, look, I, I came to the Lakers. They hired a coach who wasn't particularly well-suited for this team, our best player, uh, is probably going to be out for most of next season. Who knows if he'll ever come back uh, as healthy? Um, you know, Steve, Steve Nash injured all year. Um, if you're Dwight Howard, do you think? Well, maybe I go somewhere else where I have a better chance at winning a title sooner than than here. I look. If he leaves, I wouldn't fault him for leaving. I wouldn't fault him for leaving based on the state of of the NBA right now. The state, I mean, not the NBA, state of uh, the Houston, uh, the Lakers right now in terms of right. Kobe's injury, um, you know, Steve Nash's age. I, look, I, it would be it would be a wise move for him to find a healthier team, <laughs> and I and I would I would get that. But look, I'm a, I'm a Laker, okay, <laughs> so, so I got I got a lot of personal feelings attached to my analysis here. That's why okay? I like it. And, and 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 so it's hard for me not to to just separate. And I know I'm supposed to. I know what they pay me. They pay me to do that. But at the end of the day, I think the way he's he, you know, it's it's hard for me to see the Lakers in this position where they're begging a guy to sign, right? When they can pay him the most money and they're the best place for any big man to be, uh, and in the greatest city. I, I I don't get it. I don't like the Lakers bowing down like that to any one player. Right, right. I don't care who it is, because if he doesn't get it at this point, if he hasn't gotten it, then why why should he be there? He just doesn't get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lang always trying to play devil's advocate, Rick. See, got, see and we and we didn't think we could get you wound up on the Lakers. Uh, you know. Yeah, no, I, I thought I was past it. I like I didn't even watch the last two games. I was like, I'm over this. When I when I heard he got ejected, I was like, Oh yeah, that that just that, that just adds to the pile. It just it just adds to it because I'm sitting here going, I'm liking what I'm seeing from him. Maybe something sunk in. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're right. getting a different Dwight. Maybe he's maturing. And then I'm like, are you serious? Are you kidding me? <laughs> to be fair, I, d- I didn't think that warranted an ejection. He got two technicals. Got yeah, yeah, but the second technical, I mean, didn't really oh. do – he didn't. He just kind of waved his arm off. He didn't really – it's not like he threw a punch or, you know, okay. cursed out how the referee. Get, how, did get, how did he get the first one? 
Huh? How did he get the first technical? For throwing a bow. Yeah, the first one. The first one he deserved. He he tried to John Bone Jones, John Bones Jones, uh, Corey Joseph, or whatever. So, do you know he does that all the time? Yeah. This is not something new. He gets he gets he gets technical fouls throwing bows at people all the time. So, like you know, that's that to me is like that's not smart. Right. So you. This is not smart. So what we the one thing we can deduce from all this is that Dwight Howard is not going to be sitting next to you on one of these flights to the Bahamas. He's, he's quite welcome. I tell you, I'm telling you, Dwight, Dwight, I, Dwight as, I, as a person, I get the sense that Dwight's a really, really fun, you know, probably nice guy to be around, hang out with. I do, I, you know, I have my issues with Dwight Howard, the, the basketball player. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is this is no different than when we talk about separating someone's, uh, you know religious belief or, or, or political stance, like, you know, the, he has, he's bringing a certain expression as a basketball player that I, I, I don't necessarily like or right. would sign up or pay for. Right. That's just me. Doesn't mean I have anything <laughs> against him personally. Right. I, I have, I, I try to talk about what I see as a basketball player in him and, and I talk, and how that equates to the Lakers. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not the general manager, so I think I think you know if I was, <laughs> how I should feel about it. <laughs> uh, it's not to say it's not to say that I, you know, he can't he can't prove me, you know, me wrong a year from now to be someone that actually could go away and and and, and mature and evolve as as a as a man and a basketball player. I would uh, I would love to see nothing more. And whether he's in a Laker uniform or Houston Rocket uniform or Dallas Mavericks uniform or somewhere else. In Atlanta, ATL. Yeah. Does, you know, it doesn't, you know, I just can't stand for anyone, franchise player, middle-of-the-road guy, supporting cast, you know, having that type of, you know, approach to the game. Right. Just, I don't like it. Rick Fox, baby, Lakers rant, part due. I love it. You know what? We might just come on every week and, and crank you up about the Lakers, see if we can't tee you up. Uh, <laughs> What do you mean? What do you mean? We might do it. <laughs> what do you think this show is? Just cut the ch- cut to the chase every week. Be like, you know what? Yeah, that all that went on, but the Lakers. <laughs> I, don't, I don't recall what I was what I said just now, but that's all right. We got it on wax, baby. It's all good. It's okay. <laughs> you enjoy it, the Bahamas, man. And uh, when you get back and get all that hate mail from the Dwight Howard fan club, you'll you'll know exactly what you said. It's all good. Lakers right here on the Hangtime Podcast.
Rick Fox had to head off to the Bahamas, you know, official diplomatic business. He is, like I said, he is the assistant uh, prime minister of the Bahamas. We're trying to make sure he takes care of his people, too, when it comes time for uh, a remote of the Hang Time podcast in the Bahamas land. <laughs> he he skewers Dwight Howard uh, in a lot of different ways, but you wisely point out that even when we give Dwight the business here on the Hang Time podcast, we have to remember this guy led the NBA in rebounding this year. He what he averaged eighteen and thirteen. Thirteen. I mean, it's it's he's he's it's not like he's some chump. I mean, he's even even with a after back surgery and then all the stuff that went on in Lakeland this year, he showed up at the you know he showed up at the end of the season when they had to have it, didn't he? Yeah. 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 I mean, he was the last man standing. <laughs> well, except, <laughs> it's, except when he got that second technical foul. Exactly. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, uh, for I mean, for all the guys they had injured and everything else, I mean, he he ended up he was one of the last guys left. Well, knocking uh, knocking Dwight off of the front page news here at the Hang Time Podcast. Rick was around earlier when we got a chance to speak with our main man, Michael Lee of the Washington Post. Beat writer there. Came on to talk about Jason Collins and his announcement uh, coming out as the first openly gay uh, athlete in a major American sport earlier this week in a piece he wrote for SI.com. Mm-hmm. Um, we all got a chance to talk with Mike Lee about that and the Wizards a little bit and uh, check out a little bit of that interview right here. All right, guys, joining us now on the Hangtime Podcast, our main man, Michael Lee of the Washington Post, Washington Wizards beat writer, man in the eye of the storm this week with the announcement uh, from Jason Collins, obviously. Mike, what's it been like in terms of uh, reaction and uh, from not only the, the Wizards players, guys who were Jason Collins' teammates, but also the fans and, the, and, and people around D.C.? Um, you know, I, I'm not really sure about the fans. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really interacting with them. I know I talked to a lot of the players, and they all seem like, you know, hey, you know, they, they're cool with them. Um, and I think that the one thing that Jason was able to uh, to, to collect while he was there was just good good favor with everybody. I mean, mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, he was a pro, a solid pro the entire time he was there. I mean, he was there, he was there for 30 games, only played in six. Right. And really was a professional the whole time. Never complained. Showed up on time. You know, offered uh, advice, mentorship to guys. You know, try to offer direction to help them understand what it takes to be a pro. Um, and I think they just enjoy having him around. He was a guy that they always would clown. You know, they have fun with him over his voice and just <laughs> they talk. It's just it's proper you know, uh, language and just everything that he, he did, you know, the way he dressed, just, he, he was just a guy that they had fun with. And, uh, he's just, uh, he was such a good guy to have around cause you know, he knew, they knew he worked hard and that even though he wasn't playing, that he was still preparing himself as if he was going to play every day. And I think they had no, no, they, all he did was respect him. So, mm-hmm. um, when he came out with an announcement that he, that, you know, that he's gay, I think they just accepted him as for who he is because they appreciated what he gave him in that in that brief amount of time, and I think that's that's really what it's all about. And I think the fact he's been in the league twelve years, you know, he's always been there. <laughs> yeah. You know, no matter no matter what, you know, you always know of Jason Collins. You know, um, he doesn't do anything special on the court. Um, he's never really been anything in terms of skill 
but he's always around, and I think that he's had 12 years in the league of, um, you know, you know, getting, you know, developing goodwill around players and being a good teammate. That everyone's going to be supportive of him because he's not a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Michael, it's hey, it's Langhair. You know, there have been a lot of talk about. Um, how big a story this has been. I know sportsillustrated.com had their biggest traffic day in history um, when the post went up. Um, wh- what has it been like for you covering this story? I mean, is it, has it been as big a story as, as everyone seems to, to think it has been? Well, I mean, surprisingly, it's not generating a lot of traffic on, on, on Wizards Insider, but I know it is in general, just from, like, the stories that have, that have been written, as the mm-hmm. blog post, the blog hasn't really uh, taken off uh, for whatever reason. Um, major CP people just don't care about the Wizards. And, <laughs> but but, but I, I just think that, you know, um, but it, it is a big story because it, it, it made it a big story, you know. Um, I think it'd be one thing if Jason was sitting down with, like, local media and talking, but he was only he was there for such a brief time, and this is such a, a national story. It's not really seen as a wizard story per se. It's seen as right. a story about Jason Collins, a story about the NBA and about sports, about sexuality. There's so many issues that go beyond the fact it's a local story that it's been written about, you know, in just about every section. Um, and, and I think it's, it's such, such a big story, whether he played for anything, he played for the Knicks or the Celtics or the, the Grizzlies. I think it would just be a huge story um, no matter what. So, um, but it hasn't really taken off to the point where it's just such a big story locally, and it's probably maybe because he didn't necessarily, um, you know, say it to anyone locally. It was the Sports Illustrated. He's on Good Morning America. He's doing Grantland. You know, he's doing so many um, national um, stories that'll get him a broader um, audience than say just a local paper. Even though the Post is not local by any means, I'm just saying. Yeah, it's not. It's not on that same scale um, as a Good Morning America in terms of the audience you're going to reach. Rick Fox here. Question. Uh, going forward, I mean, we, we, he, he's come out, Jason's come out, uh, it's created a media storm around his, his off-court uh, lifestyle or, uh, or choices. And where does he go as an athlete now? I mean, he's 12 years in. I mean, we knew he was a serviceable, you know, bench player as a big man. I think his message probably will will get carried uh, forth if he's on a team and has a chance to represent um, the gay, gay, gay and lesbian community by being on a court and proving that an, an athlete can actually work in amongst his peers uh, and, and educate his peers as well. Do, you, do we see him on a team? You know that's that's a great question because um, he averaged one one point one rebound this year um, when his two stops in Boston and, and in Washington and it's been he averages you know close to three points and three rebounds over his twelve year career but he hasn't reached those totals in in almost seven seasons um, so it's not like you're going to get somebody that's going to give you really great production but what he does is you know he's smart um, he really knows the game. Um, he plays defense. If you need somebody who can defend a big man, he can do it better than, than just by anybody in the league. And uh, he sets he sets the best screens. I mean, everybody <laughs> on the team will talk about when Jason sets a screen for you, you will get open. I mean, that that's the one thing that when I talk to his teammates about him, is like, you know, I like playing with him because, you know, he always got me open. He always got me good looks. Um, so, 
but uh, but I think in terms of him being a 12 year vet, a free agent, um, it's it's sort of in a really interesting situation because the Wizards really didn't have little use for him when he was there. They don't really they don't plan on bringing him back. They didn't plan on bringing him back before, and nothing's changed, you know, with this announcement because um, they're they're obviously trying to go in a different direction and being younger and trying to build the team and you know what he offers a team is not really going to be good for say a building team maybe for a veteran team that's in the playoffs that knows is going to need somebody to guard a Tim Duncan or somebody the further you get in the postseason but if you just a team that's trying to get there the Jason Collins is not really going to help you um so I really don't know where he goes um uh there, there's there's probably going to be some team out there that's going to take a chance on him and not as a novelty act but as somebody who who can really just give them something a couple five minute burst you know you know hack up Dwight Howard for a couple minutes and then go grab a seat so I think he still could serve a purpose but it's just tough when you're he's going to be 35 in December he hasn't really been a really productive player the last two or three years um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens but I think that the league they want to uh, come off as being a tolerant league. And David Stern has, you know, um, released a lot of statements that made a lot of comments that are very supportive of Jason Collins, supportive of the fact that the league would not have a problem with him as long as he can play. But the fact of the matter is that he's not that good a player right now. So if he isn't in the league, people would have to understand that it's because he's not very good right now. But there will be a reaction because – He's gone from being a player, really an anonymous player, to being a historic figure. So you figure that now he's somebody you can essentially say we're going to sign you because his name now carries a much more value than it did two weeks ago. Mike, but to that point, to that point, do you think it, it it's going to need to be a greater caliber, you know, an All Star type player? To carry a broader, you know, stronger message, or can can Jason be that leader? Because I, I commend him on his courage and, and stepping out. I just would, you know, in terms of any any cause of activism or awareness, you want it to, you know, you want the voice to ring out and and, and stay true for people to to grow and for the community to grow and for everyone to have a greater awareness. I just Absolutely. I mean, no. I mean, yeah. I, I think you would need to. It would need to be a, like a sort of transformative type figure, you know, somebody that you could really rally behind and get behind um, at, in terms of like his actual ability. Um, you know, I think if it had been, say, an all-star caliber player or a starter or somebody, um, you know, that you will have to get used to seeing a lot of on the court, it could it could have a much larger impact. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely agree. If it, if it was a... a He's a marginal, borderline NBA player right now. So, um, but I still think just the fact that he's willing to come out and say, "Hey, I'm gay," and you know, deal with it, and this is who I am. I think that's just that's a strong, a powerful statement within itself. And especially when you think about the fact that he chose to wear number 98 this season, and when he explained the meaning of it. From mm-hmm. Matthew Shepard, um, a student in Wyoming who was murdered in a hate crime for being gay. I mean, those types of things, <laughs> I think in terms of the fact that he went to Stanford, the fact that he's a, he's a very well-spoken, um, he's very well-respected, um, he is a good person to have, but in terms of his talent and how it can really, really 
um, make people respect him on a different level. I'm not sure if it's enough to really have that same that same appeal, that same I don't know the word, the same power or impact as if it was a really good player. You said something interesting, Mike, that uh, about the league wanting to give the perception that they're tolerant and um, you know that they're progressive. Do you? I've always felt like the NBA that this could only happen in the NBA because it's the one league where they've always seemed to be more tolerant of somebody being different. You know what I mean? Um, do you think that's, do you think it's not genuine? You think it's not a sincere thing when, you know, when well, the, I, I think we'll see, mm-hmm. you know, cause I mean, you, to add on to your point, I mean, individual, individualism is really embraced in the NBA. Yeah. Can go down the line from like Iverson when people were just really thrown off by his cornrows and his right. tattoos and like, oh my gosh, what is this guy doing? <laughs> and then it was all of a sudden everybody had him. And, you right. know, it's just, now it's just something you just you don't even care anymore when you see somebody with a tattoo on on free throw line anymore. It's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. But you know, so Dennis Rodman, you know, he was always you know eccentric and kind of crazy with it, with he his appearance. And uh, I mean, I'm just saying, there's always something um, that. You know, eventually you just got used to it. Um, but I think that I was um interesting column in the New York Times the other day, uh, Harvey Harrison, he just talked about Magic Johnson when he um, announced he had HIV and just the overwhelming support he initially got. Mm-hmm. You know, and everybody was saying, you know, we love Magic. And, you know, Magic was such a great player. You right. had to respect Magic because he was so great. Um, but then Carmelo. <laughs> You know, it's like, I don't know if I want to play with him, you know, or I want to play against him. And then all of a sudden it turned into this whole thing where, you know, Carmelo set up the, the, the opinion that probably a lot of players share but just weren't willing to express, you know, at that right. point because they knew it would probably be a backlash. And I think right now you're seeing this old woman's support for Jason Collins. But what's it going to be like when he actually is in the locker room? Um, and that kind of remains to be seen. I, I, I don't know if it'll be a big deal, but then again, I won't know until it's actually happened. Right. Until you know, a guy, an openly gay player, is in there, and guys just deal with it. You know, will the jokes be the same? Will they be just as harsh? You know, because guys go hard on each other, and you know what the locker room's like. Yeah. Um, yeah. Will, it, will will guys let up? Will they be like, oh, maybe I can't say that joke now? Because <laughs> you know, <laughs> will will Jason laugh at a, at a joke? Will he want? Will he want to? You know, it's just. Yeah, I, I think it it opens up in a, dy- a dynamic that we just haven't seen because it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, that's. I mean, and it, all of us have been in locker rooms. You know, Rick, you've been in there when the doors are closed. You know. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, what I mean, I, I, gotcha, I've heard yeah. I've heard stuff in locker rooms that I would wouldn't want my kids to hear. You know what I mean? I would. <laughs> but that don't make yeah, me I, that don't make me flinch because I've heard them so many times. But. I'm right. wondering how many times Jason Collins has had had to sit in the locker room and listen to stuff that that made him boil. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Knowing this all these years, and uh, well, no, one no, thing I, know. Look, I come a, from a, I come from an era where I wouldn't say that there were homophobic, you know, slurs thrown around, but definitely an era where you know, gay and lesbian rights weren't as as prevalent and as outspoken as they are now mm-hmm. and so you know the homophobic uh uh feelings definitely permeated uh, you know locker rooms yeah. that i've been in and it was always odd to me to, to to notice 
just a difference. You know, I grew up in I grew up different. And I grew up on an island, right? Or you know, many different people, many different cultures. Mm-hmm. But you know, I grew up in a church where you know where I was raised, at diff- you know, in a way where you know hom- homophobia, you know, homophobic even throughout could be characterized from a church standpoint. You know, it's very, mm-hmm. you know, but that's just beliefs. You mm-hmm. know. Um, everyone has beliefs. Everyone has different beliefs, different religions, different races. We have international players in locker rooms. I'm sure there's jokes that are offensive to international players. Yeah. I just wonder exactly what you're saying is that how are our locker rooms now going to be uh, conscious of, you know, and it's good. It's good then if yeah. it changes uh, and brings uh, an awareness to what's coming out of the mouths of, of guys when they what they think might be funny uh, is actually, you know, discriminatory and, and, and offensive. One one thing, going back to what Mike said about um, and what Saker said about the, the, the NBA embracing individualism and being a league like that, and I don't know if people are going to, to do this, but do we – if Collins ends up not on an NBA team next year, does that mean the NBA is not as inclusive as, as everyone seems to think it is? Or do we chalk that up to Jason Collins just not being the basketball player he was a decade ago? No, I think that's that's kind of what this guy creates an interesting conundrum for the league because mm-hmm. otherwise, I mean, if he had announced that he was gay, if he had just if he or right now, you know, if he had just waited until September, you know, after free agency had already gone through and he signed with a team, right. and then say, okay, now I'm gonna um, now I'm gonna announce that I'm gay. You know, oh, okay, now you have to kind of confront it. But the fact that he's thirty he's gonna be thirty five in December and he hasn't been a productive player, it it's sort of you know, that's usually when guys are kind of faded out of the league anyway. You know, right. it's usually the time when it's time to say, Okay, unless you're just an elite, elite type player, um, you know, the elite team says, Well, we can just find a cheaper alternative. We can find somebody yeah, a, rookie, yeah. a guy in the D league, you know, couple hundred thousand dollars we'll, we'll pay him rather than pay this guy 1.5 right you know because you know the, the more you're in the league you know the more your your veteran minimum price goes up i mean the league pays part of it but still um you know yeah I, I i just you just wonder like this is normally the time when a player like jason is kind of brushed aside right. but now that he is not just jason collins into the bench player you never really cared about now he's a, a figure yeah. Um, you wonder if that now puts him out there to where he becomes uh, a, a player that you consider more because I, of the fact that he's out there. I he's think, almost he's almost old enough for the Knicks to consider signing. <laughs> I, I think the weird thing hilarious. Too, he, he, could bring, he could bring the age down. Some. <laughs> hilarious. I think the weird thing about Jason is that he's a dude that could have been out of the league five years ago if you based it on yeah. his statistics. His production, yeah, yeah. but he's such a specialist in terms of. Yeah. Coaches love having a big on this on the end of the bench who can come in and play six minutes, seven minutes, and never care about playing. You know what I mean? He exactly. Had, and he I, has I, so much like more you, to you him. Hear Doc valuable. Rivers comment, yeah. you know, uh, after, about him. I mean, how yeah. much he loved having him around, and how he wishes he could have Jason Collins around all yeah. the time. Uh, Randy Whitman was saying the same thing. How much. He loves having a guy like Jason Collins because you know he studies the game plan. Right, you right. know he knows exactly what he's supposed to do at all times. He always does the right thing. Yeah. And he also is somebody who's willing to, to call out, 
you know, a star player or anybody who's not doing the right thing and tell them that this is how it needs to be done. Mm-hmm. He's almost like an extra member of the coaching staff right. who's on the team. So there is there is definitely value in that. So you're right. I mean, he, he based on his stats, he probably should have been out of the league in 07. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not dissing him. I'm just saying if it was just on production. Yeah, exactly. Know, um the the other the other weird part to me guys about Jason Collins is not weird is you know just unique and some the the need for a big man on the end of your bench to come in and give you hard fouls on a Shaq or Dwight Howard are are dwindling because there's yeah. so few mm-hmm. elite big men that you have to you know game plan for right. I mean so that, yeah. he runs You're into right. a different issue you know in that is he is his the position he plays and I mean the grimy big willing to give up six fouls, it, do you need a guy like that anymore? Yeah, I mean, you look around the league, there's so many teams that play small. I mean, there's a reason yeah. why he, he didn't play in 24 to 30 games for the Wizards because they always would have to go small. They'd have to play, yeah. you know, a, a Trevor Booker or somebody, you know. Um, you know, it, it's just teams don't really have seven-footers. I mean, can you, you probably count on your hand the number of quality seven-footers in the league. Yeah. And probably fewer than that, you know, because Andrew Bynum didn't play this year, and now he's dancing in Madrid. So <laughs> uh, <it's> like, <laughs> you you got to figure that, yeah, I mean, his the skill set that he, he brings, I mean, you'd have to be a team that really doesn't need a Jason Collins but might need him when he gets down to it. Yeah. So I, I, I could see him, if he does sign with a team, he would he probably wouldn't sign until, you know, late in the free agency leading up to training camp. You know, once everybody figures out, like, where, where is it, White winds up, and you're just kind of saying, you know, we just need an extra big who might be able to handle him, yeah. you know, down the, down the road, you know. But, you know, like a team like the Bobcats definitely doesn't need him, you know. Right. Okay. Don't, be surprised if, don't be surprised if someone doesn't grab him the first day of free agency. Yeah. Could that's true. I mean, he, he does have Arn Tellum behind him, so you know, yeah, that's that's a pretty powerful machine working in his favor. Yeah, Mike. Be, I mean, uh, before we uh, get let you get out of here, we I mean, we got to talk Wizards in 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 the future. Not you know, Jason Collins notwithstanding. I we had a, a blog table question on NBA dot com on the Hangtime blog about which team we thought could make the biggest leap next year. Um, depending on what happens this summer and free agency with the draft and everything. I picked the Wizards based on what I saw out of them after John Wall came back, and mostly because I think the ground you have to make up from a lottery team to be a playoff team in the East is a lot smaller than it is in the West. But I, I like the Wizards, what they look like when Wall came back and played healthy. How how fired up are the Wizards internally, and how fired up are people in uh, in in the D.C. area about what this team could do next year if they have a good summer? The team is definitely much more fired up than the city. I can <laughs> tell you that. <laughs> but, but but by the beginning of the year, I think things will change if, if everybody's healthy. I mm. mean, I think that, that's been the, the one thing. You, they, they have a lot of promise when you look at John Wall and Bradley Bill. I mean, those that backcourt could be something really special for the next, you know, seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just together you have those two guys um, you know, Bradley Bill is a rookie shooting guard, and you think about the shooting guard position, there aren't very many of them around anymore. Mm-hmm. And he's 19, and he probably will wind up, you know, third or second, whatever, rookie year voting today, whenever that comes out. Mm-hmm. So, um, and you got John Wall, who was, once he came back, especially from March 
um, to like the last six weeks of the season, he was playing at like an elite all-star caliber level. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that gives you so much reason for hope because, you know, he averaged like 23.7 assists, 7.7 assists, uh, and almost uh, four rebounds a game and two steals. Um, you know, he was putting up some crazy, crazy numbers at 47 on Memphis, 37 on the Pacers. You know, we, we all know those are two of the best defensive teams in the league, and he just ate them up. So, but the way he's playing, the way Bradley Beal's coming along, you know, they have a lot of reason for hope. But you got to, I think one thing people miss is that they only started eight games together. Wow. They went six and two in those games that they started, and uh, with those. Those two and then they only played 22 games together, and they were 15 and seven when the three of them were together. So that's that's a small sample size for an 82 game season. Yeah. But you figure if you can have them play most of the games next year together, they could be really lethal because with John breaking down defenses and open up the floor for for Bradley Beal to get three pointers. Uh, if you got Nene, who's going to take a lot of time this off season to get get healthy. I mean. Um, he was a shell of himself um, this season, playing on plantar fasciitis, and it just led to compensation to where his knee and shoulder were down. And he had so many things he had to deal with. If he can take a rest, he doesn't have, he's not, not going to play for his national team this summer. Right. So he'll have a chance to heal a bit. If he comes back and he gives them what they need, Okafor, Wall, Bill, if they re-sign Martel Webster, they could definitely be a playoff team next year. But primarily because of the work that John put in um, last offseason and the fact that he now has a confidence in his jump shot, in his game, and his ability as a leader to really play. I mean, I think he got a pretty bad rap his first two years. And people said, well, he couldn't, he couldn't win. You know, the team stunk, you know. But look at who he was playing with. I mean, look <laughs> look at the talent that surrounded him and, and what he was asked to do as somebody coming right out of college who really didn't have a clue about what he was or what he's supposed to be in the NBA. This year, they finally surrounded him with better pros, with guys who came in and worked hard and knew their job and knew how to work, and that rubbed off on him. You know, he got to see what it is like to be a true professional from like a guy like a Mecca Okafor or even a Trevor Ariza or just guys that, that have been through the wars, have been in the playoffs, you know, Reasons won a championship. You know, they may not be the best players, you know, in terms of talent, but they are good pros, and that's a good environment for him to be around. And they're they're good enough that they can make him elevate his game. He can elevate their games, and they look so much better. Um, so yeah, I definitely could see them taking that leap next year, but primarily because John was so awesome that last six weeks. Yeah. Mike Lee, folks, from the Washington Post, join us here on the Hangtime Podcast. Sir, uh, we shall see you down the road, I'm sure, in the playoffs. Uh, keep, keep, yeah, man. Keep the breaking I'm, I'm, news to a minimum, man. You know, relax up there. Gosh, man, I, it's like you think about the things I've seen just covering the Wizards, man, the last couple of years. Unbelievable, wow. man. Unbelievable. <laughs> so, okay. Anytime, fellas. All right, Mike. Appreciate right. it, man. Good, yeah, Mike. All right. Mike Lead, guys. You know what? He's right, Lang. He has covered some unbelievable stories at the at the post with Gilbert Arenas and Javaris Crittenden, um, and that whole mess. I mean, this. But I, I'm I'm curious, Rick and and Lang, what y'all think? Um, this Jason Collins thing, bigger picture in sports. I've heard so many people chime in and weigh in on it. 
And, you know, and I did the same, obviously, the morning it, it broke. Um, I got to know Jason when he was here in Atlanta with the Hawks. And I and I love talking to the guy. He's super smart, you know, very uh, intelligent guy and, and well-schooled on a, on a range of different topics. You know, I'm getting older. So, you know, I don't I no longer go in the locker room talking about the latest rap song that's out. I mean, I'm in there talking about kids and, you know, different things. He, What do you think his announcement does for those awkward moments in a locker room when you have somebody cutting up and clowning about something? Do you think this this announcement makes players check themselves, Rick? Do you think they they self-check themselves, at least in front of – the media and other people when they're in the locker room when they're saying well, certain things. Well, look, you, you know, there's always going to be an ignorant person yeah. or a group of ignorant people who a either haven't dug deep enough to explore diversity in their own life, regardless of of you know religion or race or ethnicity or or, or sexual preference or, or, you know, a lifestyle, anything, like whatever the diversity is out there in the world, like, you know, we get isolated in a locker room sometimes and we think our little bubble, you know, represents the world Uh, until we retire or we get out in the world and we get amongst people uh, that aren't like-minded or or have separate careers or, you know, or maybe different beliefs and different political stands. You'll find out as you move in and out the world, that you need to have a, a, an openness to actually at least existing with others and, and having your own stance, your own opinion, your own voice, but yet acceptance, accepting of someone else's without, you know, without um, pushing it to the point where you're, you're exclusive, excluding them or disrespectful or belligerent or, or combative. You know, these are all things you know, guys, unfortunately, either never get to or get to later in life because they they realize there's, there's a bigger world out there than the than the bubble we live in in in, in a locker room or in professional sports yeah. and and uh, you know for me you know Jason's announcement you know kind of rolled off my back because it was not to me earth shaking because I live mm-hmm. in a world in Hollywood where where this conversation is is everywhere right. it's everywhere because there's a lot more. Um, gay and lesbians that are uh, that are proud to be to have a voice. They speak more freely. They're open about it. They're they're you interact with them. You work with them. You you have you're, I'm friends with them. And so I don't I don't have I guess the the, the I didn't have the shock. Yeah. I, I had what I had with all, all the reaction I had was great for Jason. Yeah. You're awesome, dude. Like now and then the next place I went to was oh you know what this is going to be great for a locker room because <laughs> now the conversation is is going to have to happen. Guys are going to have to, you know, look at, look at the, the, you know, uh, this, this differently. And actually now the conversation has been lit. And, and so I just like that, that conversation is there. And I like that he, you know, he's one of the many individuals that, you know, I've had the opportunity to meet myself that have come out and that have been voices in different sports and, and, and different professions and careers. So, you know, for him, first and foremost, like we all say, Good for you, bro. You know, good for you that you're doing what is true to you. You're authentic. You have a voice, but also good for, you know, all the other NBA players who may not be as as educated about uh, about what he stands for. Mm-hmm. Uh, may may now go and explore more. May have conversations with with each other about about how how to really conduct 
a conversation uh, openly about this, and, and and I think it's a chance for everyone to grow, grow in, grow in their you know in their life. So yeah. I think that's what I was most excited about is seeing that you know that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I, I just you know it doesn't. Uh... And I got some nasty emails after I wrote something supporting, uh, you know, supporting him being, you know, I, th- I thought it was, and I, I think it's a courageous thing to do because I think you're inviting the lowest common denominator, you know, sometimes when you, when you step into the spotlight the way he has. So I, I commended him for being a courageous person to even do this. And, um, remember, remember, remember what's his, what was the gentleman, Mahmoud Abdul, uh, who's yeah. the gentleman oh, yeah, that, that Abdul was Muslim? Yeah, remember Chris, when he was Muslim? Chris Jackson. His religion, yeah, yeah, his religious beliefs. And we look, I don't, I don't agree with 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 his stance. Uh, right, uh, but he stood and look at look at the criticism he got. Yeah, yeah. right, and, and 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 so you know, you just think of the different areas in life where people take a stand. Whether even it's even a religious stance. Yeah, where where someone like a, like a Tea Party member that stands as strong as they can in their conviction about the direction the country should go in. Or vice versa, someone that's liberal. Uh, you know, that's your stand. That's your voice. Uh, it's where it goes into the hatred and, the, and bigotry and, and that that crosses the line where the intolerance is not. There's no place in society. Yeah. You know, that's where I draw. You know, that's for me where the line needs to be drawn. Where there is, there's ignorance and intolerance. Yeah. And I so, think. I mean, all three of us are on Twitter, and we know what it's like to even express any sort of thought or opinion that might be against the group think mm. um you know, if you come out and say that was a bad call in the game you get 25 people who say <laughs> you're an idiot um so imagine coming out like collins did yeah and, and saying what he said um and just knowing i mean i, I think just i thought about what, what he must have felt the past um man yeah. you know even just the past week when he knew this was going to come out and that he yeah. had already decided to make the to make it public and everything um um, so, I mean, it must be such a weight off of his shoulders. You when know? you, you cross paths with so many different people over the course of your life, you know, at 34, 35 years old, man, all the people that will go back and start searching through their memory banks, like, what? Why didn't I notice this? Well, you know. Right. But I, the thing that really struck me about it, and, I mean, I know we're diving off the, the deep end from basketball here, but the conversation, you know, him talking about, you know, wanting to, Make you know take a stand for for tolerance and understanding and man I took my youngest son to uh, to see forty two a few weeks ago and he's ten years old and it didn't dawn on me how wicked some of the stuff that comes out of people's mouths can be when they you know when they don't agree with somebody or they they have a different lifestyle or whatever when someone's different yeah whenever someone's different yeah i had to explain to him after the movie he was like so why did why did that guy say all that nasty stuff to jackie robinson and i was like it hit me like a ton of bricks i was like man how do you explain that to a kid who hasn't grown up in an environment where that's acceptable you know what i mean Mm-hmm. And it's right, a yo, tough. Look. It's a tough thing. It's a tough conversation to have because you have to try and explain the mindset of somebody that off the charts, you know, in their ignorance. And and I think you know this gives people a chance to have a different kind of conversation with their kids about how to be tolerant and about how to to not judge people based on anything. You know, how to not yeah. judge people when you you know when when there are a lot of people that do that every day. 
we're taking it back to the lighter side of things because we always tend to be joking <laughs> around here. I had to laugh because, look, I live in Hollywood, and they always say in Hollywood, you haven't made it until you, someone calls you gay. <laughs> and, and, look, I've played bisexual characters right. in shows. I've played, I've played uh, straight people, you know. And, 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 and so when, I, when, it, when it got announced on Twitter, I must have had about 15 or 20 people make comments like, Jason the first, I thought Rick Fox was going to come out first. <laughs> so I had to, so you know, I laugh at this stuff because you just realize yeah. that there's, a, there's an array of pers- perspective on what makes someone gay or yeah. if they like this or they wear that color or if they're yeah. seen driving on XYZ Street. And it's, and it's comical to me because, because it's, you, it, I just imagine in my life, in their lives, how much they're shutting themselves off to the experiences they can have and, inter- and interact with just really quality, uh, uh, interesting people simply because they have a judgment or a fear that right. that if they interact with uh, someone of a different faith or belief or religion or mm-hmm. sex, that, that it, somehow it, it, it taints them. Yeah. Well, I don't care what they say about you, Rick. We'll let you hang out with us here on the Hangtown Podcast. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We need to thank our guest this week, Michael Lee of the Washington Post, coming on to talk Wizards with us, and Jason Collins. We need to thank Rick Fox for giving us another Laker rant. <laughs> um, that's I don't I think that's his third or fourth one this year where he went off the deep end. I love it. We were getting I was getting calls on Twitter as soon as the Lakers lost. People were saying I can't wait to hear Rick on the podcast this week. Well, they're gonna love this because he he went in again. Yeah. Um, like I will bring up one small point that I think needs to be mentioned. Um, my bragging rights pick for the postseason, mm. one of us picked the Grizzlies. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying. I Grit and got, grind. Grit and grind, baby. Got a, got, a, got a chance to close this thing out Friday night at the Grindhouse and move on to the conference semifinals. Just saying. And I hate it. I hate that it's at the expense of the Clippers because they're an exciting team. I know we all like to watch, but uh, – some elimination games coming up here in the NBA in the next few days. Stay tuned to those and stay tuned to the Hang Time Podcast. We will see you here again next week. Later. Thanks for listening to the Hang Time Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store and be sure to check out the Hang Time blog on NBA.com. And as always, say Kuna Matata. You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and out tip-off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that! Shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.